Hi guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And welcome to another episode of Betty Squared. For those of you randomly joining us right now in the middle of a rewatch of season two when season three has already come and gone, <laughs> we are taking a look back and uh, doing a rewatch. This episode will contain spoilers for those of you who are not caught up. So proceed with caution is what I'm going to say. <laughs> But today we are looking at a, at uh, chapter 20, Tales from the Dark Side. I did look this film up on IMDb to see if it correlated with this episode. It kind of doesn't, but it was first a television series, a television series. Listen to how I said that. <laughs> television series. Oh, goodness. My brain is mush. Uh, it aired between 1983 and 1988. and the synopsis says a horror anthology series where the viewer is taken through ghost stories, science fiction adventures, and creepy unexplained events. So, I mean, that just kind of sounds like my jam, even though it doesn't really correlate to what we see in this episode of Riverdale. But then to follow up, they did a movie in 1990. And the synopsis for that is a young boy tells three stories of horror to distract a witch who plans on eating him. So either way, totally up my alley, but <laughs> not really, not really a direct source for this episode of Riverdale, I don't think. No, yeah. The, I mean, the tales thing, the about being different tales of science fiction and yada yada, um, that kind of tracks because we are. They have decided to format this episode as they've done in season three and stuff as well, um, separating the storylines instead of doing the classic TV thing where you kind of just switch between between throughout. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, in in regards to actual storyline, there doesn't really seem to be a, a direct take from like we've seen in other episodes no yeah it's just formatting right what I will say is that I love doing this little research about the episode title name and seeing you know if it correlates to a film because half the time I end up watching the film that the episode is named after or is based on because they're just totally up my alley uh <laughs> you know a couple of weeks ago we looked at the watcher in the woods which I watched and was, it was great. It was, you know, your classic 80s B supernatural kind of film. The Kyle Richards was in it. And so I was like living my best life. So a huge thank you to the writers of Riverdale for giving me some film inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is a quite, quite a long list now. It sure is. It sure is. Do you mind if I start with my note, my first note? Of course, go for it. Okay, because I just, you know how we've been struggling to do the rewatch again for, you know, what one reason or another, mostly in my case, because I already have so much information about what's happening that I'm, it's hard to go back and pretend like I don't know it. But I had loads of notes for this episode. And my first note came up within two seconds of this episode starting. And it was that I love the old timey beginning, like that that, you know, um, static kind of 
film aesthetic, the rolling or the scrolling credits. Uh, it has a very Quentin Tarantino film. And did I just say Tarantino film? I meant feel. feel. I got you. I, I understood what you meant. Oh, Lord. So for anybody as well that is joining us for the first time, I have been teaching summer camp for going on six weeks now. And these children, bless them, are turning my brain to mush. So if you only understand every second thing I say, I do apologize, but I just really can't do any better. <laughs> you work 10 jobs like Jess, you're going to understand. And if you don't, just step away. You, you can't do anything. She's allowed to say whatever she wants and her brain can be as mushy as it can because her life's crazy. I, one of these days I'm going to be so coherent and make so much sense when I come to record that people are going to think that it's like invasion of the body snatchers and that I've been replaced or possessed by some alien life force or something. I don't know. I, it's, it's going to come together and it's going to be great. What I meant was that it has a very Quentin Tarantino type feel to those opening credits. And even with the chapter names, um, throughout this episode, it's very much reminiscent of Kill Bill. I don't know if you've seen that film. Um, no, I know of Kill Bill, obviously, because I haven't lived under a rock, but um, <laughs> I've never actually seen it. But I have seen other Quentin Tarantino films, and I know what you mean. He does. He likes to harken back to olden days and do things and techniques, and um, just has that aesthetic of. An, older film while you can still obviously see that it's like hd and made in 2019 um or whenever it's made totally i just really liked it and i was on board for this episode i was enjoying myself um again i i do find these episodes hard to re-watch for the reasons we've already stated but i was on board for this one i really liked it from the word go it captured me yeah but I, I, I agree it's funny because I, I didn't necessarily like uh love the opening like card or anything like that my note was just I totally don't remember that happening like I don't remember that little opening sequence at all which I, I think either at yeah. all not even a slight memory of it yeah I totally didn't remember it and I think that was what made this episode different. I think when we were watching, because I know we have some, there's something similar to this where they separate the storylines in season three, or at least uh, the second half of season two. I know we've talked about it before, and I don't think I enjoyed it then. I think when you're watching week to week, it's weird and it throws you off. But when we're watching like this, which is still kind of week to week, but it's a little more binge-like and um, and you're just watching so many episodes in a row without there being like anticipation of like what comes next and what comes next and I want to see the plot move along. Episodes like this that are kind of more fillery, like there is some, there are some things that are going to move the plot a bit, but it's a little bit more filler for me. Um, but changing up the style of how they tell the story really does... I don't know, liven it up a little bit and piqued my interest a little more than the ones in the past have for our re our rewatch. Yeah, me too. But yeah, again, so strange. Do not remember one 
tiny little thing about this episode. I don't remember anything about the story. I didn't remember the, um, the opening sequence, nothing. I was like, oh, did I just never watch that episode? Yeah, that's funny because I felt the same way. I I remember watching it. I There were parts of it where I was like, yeah, I remember this. I, I, I remember the Chuck storyline. I remember the... Um, them dropping off the box. And I remember when they found out about uh, Sheriff Keller and Josie's mom, but as a whole, I just remembered it details of it a lot less. So that was really interesting, which is always, you know, in a rewatch nice because it feels fresh again. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I remember some parts of it, but none of the parts that really captured me this episode, which was crazy. Yeah. Well, where would you like to start? Oh, man. Well, one of my first notes, other than the first one about the opening card, I was just like, what room are Jughead and Betty in? Like, what room is that? I think it's meant to be Jughead's trailer. I think so, too. But we just never see them in the bedroom. And when you're in a trailer, I don't know of too many trailers that have multiple separate rooms, but I am not a connoisseur of trailers, so I I don't know. Usually in the trailers I've been in, they have one, like, master, and then in, like, the hallway there might be a bunk bed, or you can have, like, a pull-out couch that is, like, the dining table that you turn into a bed. But, um, so I'm guessing this is, like, the main room that would usually be FP's bedroom, uh, which would now obviously be Jughead's, he's been in there long enough for him to make it his own, which is fine, but it just definitely looked like Jughead's bedroom which we've never seen before. Like they're usually on the couch or something. It was very weird. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I was like, it took me a second. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are we? And then I was like, oh, okay, wait, we're in the trailer. And I was like, damn, that bed is big for a trailer. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's a wide trailer. Again, we don't really uh, see that bedroom much, but still I was like, this is peculiar. Yeah, and it's funny too in an episode where they're really talking about the sinner's storyline with the Black Hood, and they they really kind of drive that in. Um, this episode, Betty and Jughead sleeping together, sleeping in the same bed, under like presumably spending the night there, uh, doesn't bother them at all, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, and I guess it's kind of like you know they're just they're just going to keep living their their best life because they're not threatened I, I don't know I don't know yeah. that's a that is an odd one and I thought it was a weird choice as well um it didn't allude to the fact that they had just been intimate or anything like that so maybe that's what they feel like they're like well actually you know we're not living in sin because we're not doing anything we're just sharing a bed I don't know I don't know. No, it wasn't dirty by any means. They were just, they were just keddling. But I just thought that was funny. I did too. I did like the fact that Betty has on uh, Jughead's t-shirt. He, the S t-shirt that we see Jughead wear all the time, Betty had it on. And I was like, oh my God, his favorite (laughs) t-shirt. One of like 20 that he owns. Yeah. (laughs) I also own one of those t-shirts. What at a Comic-Con. It's amazing. I wear it a lot. I may even wear it today. 
Well, let me see what I got up next. Oh, you know what I did here? Mm. I found another one of those like Riverdale isms for brand names that they don't want to pay royalties to. Yeah. Did you hear when uh, Archie blows out his his tire for uh, the car that he goes, oh, no, we're going to have to call Triple C. Oh, no, I didn't hear that. I was like, got it, got it. You mean Triple A, but you can't say it because you're, you don't want to pay royalties, so we're calling Triple C. Okay. I, wonder, I, mean, I feel like it's more an aesthetic choice now, even more than that even more than like paying out anyone or anything like that. I feel like it's just kind of the aesthetic of Riverdale that you, they make up these fun little things instead. Like, I feel like that's probably where it comes from. I think so as well. I think they're just trying to, you know, the universe exists and can exist in our real world, but they're just trying to keep it just a little bit separated. So maybe they can, you know, suspend disbelief if certain things decide to pop up in the storyline. Yeah, totally. Because I thought it was so funny. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. But when um, Archie comes to the rescue for Jughead in that cafe, when the guy is going to leave him with the uh, big box and um, uh, Jughead doesn't have any money to pay the bill. And Archie comes in and he's like, do you take debit cards? Like <laughs> that, I was like, oh, yeah, they can use debit cards. Like that's a thing in this world, too. It's yeah. just kind of like out of place. I did think that that was a little bit of a weird thing to ask. Like, he says, I can pick up the check. Like, that's all we need. We don't need, do you take debit? But I feel like that's why they put it in, because it's like a, oh, this world is also close to our own. It's like a reminder, like, that it is kind of modern. Not just their cell phones, but they they also have debit cards. Because, like, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I mean, it was it was cute, but for me, I was more like, oh, God, Archie, of course they do. Shut up. You're such an idiot. Oh, poor Archie. I know. Poor Archie. We're going to love to hate him. Speaking of that scene, did you recognize the actor that was um, the older the older guy that uh, picked up Jughead in the crate? Did you recognize who that actor was? I mean, I am aware of him. He's very familiar to me. I know I've seen him in things before. He is the OG Candyman. He is Tony Todd. No, I've lost you. No. Okay, so you remember the movie Candyman. It came out 100 years ago and it was terrifying. No, I don't know that movie. Oh, my God. Am I old? Yes. <gasps> oh, my God. God, how embarrassing. Okay. I'm going to go. You have wisdom that I do not have. I'm looking it up now. I can't remember the year it came out in, but. um, The year I was born. Let's have a look. Why can't I find it? Oh, because I just wrote Cadman. Okay. Cadman. You were born in 92? Yeah, you betcha, baby. Oh my God, you're a baby. I know. I oh wow. I was I was already a certain age. I'm not going to say how old, but I was a certain age. Okay, so Candyman came out in '92 when Heidi was a baby because she's a baby. Um, and Candyman is basically uh, it's the legend of Candyman. Have you heard of the 
God, now I'm saying it too many times. I'm freaking myself out. Any of our older listeners will understand why I'm freaking out right now. So I'm this. I'm just going to say this person, because I don't want to say the name too many times because I'm superstitious, is very reminiscent of the Bloody Mary urban legend. So it's basically said that this, um, I think the film goes way back into, um, oh God, I can't even remember now. I think there was an African-American man who was seeing a uh, Caucasian woman and it was back in the day and people were not okay with it. And what they did was um, they killed him. But before they killed him, I believe they uh, cut off his hand, poured honey over it, and then allowed bees to kind of like attack him. Jeez. Now, I might be getting confused with the legend and the film itself, but that that's the general idea of this story. Now, allegedly, if you say the name of the film and the urban legend three times, he's meant to appear and kill you. Oh, don't now, worry, it's this five film, I'm looking up the synopsis. It's five times you got to say it? Yeah. Okay, so Bloody Mary is three times then. Yeah. And into a mirror, I believe. I can't remember if Candyman is into a mirror or not. Yeah. But I'm going to stop saying it because it's freaking me out. This film freaking terrified me when I was a child. Uh, And when I say when I was a child, I was like a, a teenager. But it was so incredibly frightening. And Tony Todd was in the lead role and, like, terrorized people. But it was more like you feel sorry for him because he was the one that was murdered. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of like his revenge, his revengeance, his vengeance mm-hmm. on the people that hurt him. But I, like, was – I jumped out of my skin because – in this episode of Riverdale, when Jughead gets into the car, I was literally like, oh my God, that's Tony Todd. Don't get in the car. Nothing good is going to come of this. Because he always plays the baddie. Always. Yeah, that's so funny. And as I'm looking through the um, synopsis now, just to get like a gist of it. And it's funny because he, I totally get why they cast him in this role. Because the the I know I haven't said it at all yet, so I'm okay to say it. And I'm not scared. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the Candyman comes um, to get you when you're not scared. Good. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. Um, he was yeah. He was a son of a slave. Um, and he he after falling in love with fathering a child with a white woman who he was hired to paint in 1890. Candyman was set upon by a lynch mob hired by his lover's father. That's um, right. Hand replaced it with a hook and then smeared him with honey, and the bees stung him to death. Um, I knew I was close, but yeah. again, there's an urban legend which the film is based on, and I couldn't remember if the the film or the urban legend like I I didn't know if it was the same story or if it had a variation of of sorts. Yeah, totally. But it's funny because he's. In you know, in this other movie, was killed by a lynch mob um, because of an affair with someone, and then he talks about uh, the Riverdale Reaper being possibly murdered by like a lynch mob. Yeah, and you know what else is funny? Uh, well, first of all, he is 
tall as shit. He's six five, mm. which no wonder they have him in this baddie role because he would be terrifying to look at. Um, but the other thing he he's been popping up sort of all over the place at the moment, and he is on season three of Scream, the TV series, which. Oh my god! If you're not watching it, like don't start. It's just atrocious. <laughs> the acting, the storyline, it's it. I don't even know why they bothered making it. It's it's just the worst piece of shit that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and I'm so disappointed. And I feel like Wes Craven, as the exec producer, could have just done so much better. But anyway, that's the story for another time. But Tony popped up in that episode uh I think last week or the week before I think they've really stalled the episodes kind of all together so it's it's a bit hard to say like when it was released but yeah he popped up uh as the hook man in Scream so he was in the very first episode of season three and then he's again in maybe like episode four or five but he has a hook that he uses so kind of history all repeating itself yeah that's interesting definitely it's definitely hearkening back to a very specific you know time and probably a very specific genre and group of people who would understand the reference of him like I don't think I've never heard of this movie before today you know what I mean and so and I like horror movies and also know people who like horror movies that like older horror movies than I do so it's interesting that I've never heard of it so it's it's an interesting very specific reference yeah I just I just can't believe that you didn't know this movie and I also can't believe how incredibly old I am I'm so embarrassed (laughs) oh god but alas my next note is about the deer that Jug, uh, sorry, that Archie sees across the street. Was it Archie or was it Jughead? No, it was Archie. It was Archie. And how bad it was. It was just the worst CGI I've ever seen. And it totally ruined that whole moment for me. Yeah, it was really random. I, I wonder if because... If that's the if that's the same deer that that guy ends up killing, or they're, they're it's related somehow, I don't yeah. really get the point of it. It was, much. I think they were going for like a very philosophical kind of thing, but it just kind of didn't work. Yeah, that it did not work. No, it was very strange. My note on that was Lily Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lily, she's around. Oh, goodness. What's your next note? My next note is um, Edna Mode. Because <laughs> that old lady in the wheelchair, when they rolled her out, I was like, Edna Mode? Like, she just looks yeah. like that character from Incredibles. That's hilarious. I didn't even think that. Oh, my God, that is so funny. She does. And um, I don't know if I told you that recently I got my hair cut, and it's, it's really short. Ooh. And- I kind of look like Edna myself. My husband keeps calling me Edna. <laughs> I love that. I'll be like getting upset about something and he's like, 
no capes. It's okay, darling. No capes. And I'm like, oh my God, I hate you so much. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that chick totally did look like Edna. But what a great little, you know, under five role that was. Yeah, she was fun. I like her her little poorly worn beret. <laughs> it was atrocious, but I love that they went for it. I love yeah. that they made a choice and they stuck with it. Yeah, they definitely did. Oh, goodness. Well, I actually discovered a little bit of an Easter egg uh, this episode. And again, most of my notes are actually about Archie and Jughead. Did you notice that when Archie and Jughead haul the crate into that warehouse, there was something written on the side? No, I did not notice. Okay, I don't know what drew my eye to it, but I picked up the word Lovecraft and I was like, wait, was that a reference to like HP Lovecraft, who is obviously a very um, prolific writer of like the supernatural genre? Mm-hmm. So I went back and I kind of like freeze framed it. And I'm going to probably pronounce this right, but written on the side says, do not open Miss Catonic University via HP Lovecraft Polar Expeditions. January 13, 1923. And I was like, that has got to mean something. That is so specific and so random that it's got to be an Easter egg of sorts. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to Google it and I'm going to see what I find. And then I was like, well, what do I Google? And I just Googled the whole phrase, the do not open, blah, 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 1923. And it took me to a website, comicbook.com. And I'm just going to read this little synopsis of what um, what they said. And so it says, For the uninitiated, Misk Atonic University is a fictional Arkham, Massachusetts school in H.P. Lovecraft's fictional universe. The school appears throughout Lovecraft's short stories and is often linked to the mythos of Cthulhu. The mention of Polar Expedition also links to another Lovecraft story as well. This has made some begin to speculate. Does Riverdale exist in Lovecraft's fictional universe? There is, oddly enough, a bit of comedic precedence for this, with Cthulhu appearing in an issue of a post-apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic Archie Commies. Archie? Oh my god. Okay, take two. There is, oddly enough, a bit of comic precedence for this, with Cthulhu appearing in an issue of the post-apocalyptic Archie comic series, Afterlife with Archie. In the process, this technically linked the world of the afterlife into Lovecraftian lore. How cool is that? That's interesting. Isn't it? And I mean, this article went on and on and then was talking about, well, maybe they're making this link to show that, you know, supernatural elements can be released in the world of Riverdale because just as this episode was coming out, Sabrina was airing and they're, you know, meant to be in the same universe. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then they also were like, well, maybe Penny just randomly came up with these things. You know, it could just mean nothing or it could mean everything. But I just found that really, really interesting. 
Yeah, that's funny. And I did make a note that I skipped over um, about how them going to Greendale and, yeah, being around the same time where Sabrina first, like, was coming out. Um, I wonder if it really... I mean, we know now that there doesn't look like there's going to be any sort of crossover, but I wonder if this was kind of some people's, uh, got people excited about there possibly being some sort of like crossover. So I know. I mean, I still kind of want there to be some kind of crossover, but I think the problem is the second that you, you allow that, it means that these supernatural elements do exist in Riverdale and we would have to see them pop up from time to time. And I'm not sure that's the direction that the show is going in. Yeah. And there's also just the like technical thing of a crossover between shows on different networks. Sabrina's with Netflix and uh, Riverdale is obviously with the CW that that doesn't happen often, if ever. I can't I can't think of a time where it's happened, but maybe it has. Usually, I've shows that cross over are from similar networks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just so also, if the Riverdale kids go to Greendale and are hanging out with Sabrina, then they just start cursing as well, and that'll be different. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Sabrina is a bit more for a mature audience, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so, I think so. Well, what um, else have you got for this episode? Um, well, I know you mentioned you have a lot of notes on Jughead and Archie, and that kind of sums up all of my notes for them. Other than it's funny how pleasant Penny is in that first scene. I was like, wow, she's not so bad, <laughs> like in the very, very beginning. That changes, obviously, but. It sure does. And I can't remember, and I think this comes up in like the next episode, so I'm probably jumping ahead just a little bit but um isn't it revealed that fp was never in any accident and penny was just saying that to manipulate archie i mean manipulate jughead i don't remember to be to be honest i don't either but i was kind of like i have this vague memory that she's doing it to just kind of coax him into doing something so I mean she's highly manipulative so I would not be shocked if that was what happened right yeah all right well we'll see what happens yeah definitely but um did you have any more for the for their storyline no actually I don't the um the link to Lovecraft was kind of the last piece that I had so my first, so next we're into Josie, not Josie and Cheryl, which could have totally been it, but it's just Josie. Um, and my first note is just the, because most of her storyline is kind of like how she thinks she's having kind of anxiety about the Black Hood coming after her. Mm-hmm. And for me, the idea of the Black Hood targeting Josie is just so weak. Like, I just, there's nothing to me, her, like turning her back on her band or like none of that like that doesn't make sense to me yeah I I agree and I kind of felt like it was wasted doing a storyline on her 
Um, I mean, I really enjoyed Josie, and I enjoyed this storyline in particular. I think it's really interesting. Um, I just think it didn't have to be about the Black Hood, but I guess I get that this season and the season to come are, you know, he's there and he's a prominent figure, so I get it, but, um, it's just funny. If I was Cheryl, I'd be like, there's, and she kind of did, I guess, but it's like, there's no reason for the Black Hood to go after you. Like, it's okay. I think it's just meant to show the paranoia that she has and how the paranoia kind of links to a a false accusation. Yes, it definitely does. Um, It's funny because uh, I I remember this storyline in particular from this episode. I know we both said like there were things about this storyline that or this episode that we didn't quite remember. Um, And the Josie and Chuck stuff as much as I did not like Chuck in the beginning, I do find them together very sweet, and I don't mind a redemption arc. Like, I'm interested in it when it's due. And Chuck was young when he did the shit he did. Like, high school kids don't know what they're doing, and I think there's a lot of room for him to learn. Um, And so I liked the idea of them being together and him growing and her, like, being with him. So this is so funny. It's just like... Let's pour one out for the ship that never got to sail. Like, so sad. Yeah, I I do remember originally watching this episode and being okay with the two of them. But then obviously the second that she um, accuses him of leaving all these creepy gifts, then boom, you know, storyline over. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously because she thinks he's threatening her, but he didn't, he didn't react in a way that was like accusatory or aggressive or anything. He's just like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not what, which he could have definitely done, you know? Totally. Maybe we'll get redemption for Chuck one day, but I don't think that is actually going to happen. Because he kind of disappears off the face of the earth after this, right? Yeah, he totally does. Which is sad, because I think it is, I think it's important, especially in the, climate we're at right now socially um the me too movement and things like that i think people can be redeemed not everybody but i think people can be redeemed and i think it's important to see that um i think he's a great example someone who was really young he didn't um he didn't truly like rape or assault anyone he just needed to learn about respect and respecting people um and i think that's totally possible for someone that young to be rehabilitated in a way and to learn. And yeah, I think it would be a good storyline to see and a good thing for especially young people to see that like, just because you were a bully when you were younger, just because you thought these things had racist, like homophobic or like were um, sexist or whatever, when you were younger, those were learned behaviors and you can grow from it. You can learn new behaviors. Yeah. And I'm interested to see, you know how Josie's getting her own spin-off. Yeah. I wonder if Chuck might pop up there and they might try to reignite this. Yeah, maybe. That would be interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, when this first episode, uh, when this first episode, when this episode title or this chapter title popped up and I saw that it was all about Josie, I was like, eh. 
really like I was I was not impressed but like I was impressed and then I wasn't impressed I was impressed because I was like oh my god yeah she's gone now like we don't have her anymore and then I was oh I just don't want to hear about her struggles with music and uh, and how like you know hard her life is but it was an interesting twist especially with Cheryl at the end you know doing that weird creepy drawing which we never if I remember correctly we never get an explanation about that we are just guided towards it with what happens with Cheryl and um Tony later on um am I wrong I think I'm pretty sure Josie finds out because I think they have an argument about it Oh, God, I can't. Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. I don't know. I think I'm just jumping ahead. I think I need to, um, I think I just need to wait and see what happens in the next couple of episodes. But I remember it not coming straight away, I didn't think. Yeah, I don't remember when, but I do think Josie finds out. I don't think it's necessarily soon, but I do think Josie finds out um, that she's done that. Uh, okay but I think that's something we'll see later on probably in this rewatch so am I right in thinking that Josie told Cheryl about these creepy gifts and then Cheryl put the pig's heart and the picture there to scare Josie yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think all of the gifts were, were from Chuck um, up until the end. And uh, Cheryl was getting jealous uh, and she didn't want her to be with Chuck. So she made it go a little too far. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, it is revealed that Josie finds the photo of uh, the picture that Cheryl was drawing and then realizes that maybe that's where I was getting confused because it's never really explained as to who gave what gift. Yeah. I don't think the other gifts matter, whether they were from her or from him. Yeah. They're from him, but I, I don't think they, the one that matters is the, the last one. Yeah, exactly. That's the one that sends everything kind of to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. What else have you got? Um, bum, 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 bum. Oh, um, I've got a funny one. <laughs> what? I've got a funny one. Go for it. So I've always known that um, Sheriff, sorry, uh, Mayor McCoy is Josie's mom. But I never realized that Josie's last name was McCoy until <laughs> uh, Mayor McCoy literally says Josephine McCoy in this episode. And I was like, oh, my God, is that Josie's last name? Like I had a really, a really dumb moment where I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. That is funny. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, yeah, that's her last name. Oh, Lord almighty. Have mercy on me. I don't know what the heck uh, my brain is turning into, but it's something that just can't function properly, truly. <laughs> um, 
my my last note about like that storyline before we get into Betty and Veronica is just why haven't we seen Cheryl draw since? Like she's really a great artist. <laughs> like why doesn't she draw more? Because it's not written in the script. I know. It's just silly. It's such like a unique, it's like, she's a ve- like, that's very good. Like that, what she's doing for someone so young, especially. So it's like, what, why does she have this weird secret talent? And why archery and, <laughs> and uh, drawing portraits are like her thing. I want that to be happening more. Who knows what we'll see in season four. That's true. <laughs> oh god well that's all i had on the um on the josie storyline yeah same we can move into betty and veronica perfect i actually only have a few notes about them for whatever reason this episode really um caught my attention with the archie jughead story and I don't know whether that was actually given more screen time than the other ones or not, but that piqued my interest a little bit more than the other storylines that came up this episode. But mm. can we talk about, and this is in the the Veronica and uh, Betty storyline, but can we just talk about Kevin for a second and how stinking adorable he is when he's explaining that game to Veronica, who's having a sleepover, and then he asks for a glass of milk. Yeah, that was very funny. It just shows how it's so funny that like the dichotomy of Kellen Ke- uh, Kevin Keller. Um, he, on one hand, is sneaking out into the woods on occasions to hook up with random men. Right. But on the other hand, is this total nerd who drinks milk at night. Like, I'm surprised he didn't ask for warm milk. I know, I almost was expecting him to be like, oh, some more milk would be great. <laughs> like, what the heck? So funny. Um, yeah, I thought for a second that Kevin might be playing G&G. I did too, for just a hot second. Yeah. And then when it, um, when it, uh, like, cut to the actual board, I was like, okay, thank God. Because <laughs> that would have been a huge clue into what, was to come yeah totally it's funny very much so but yeah he was just so stinking cute this episode I just wanted to wrap him up in love and cuddles yes he's a real sweetie when he wants to be he sure um, is my first note of this of this uh storyline I want to read it how I wrote it because it's also I don't know why I wrote it like this but it's just really funny. So I wrote, I wrote the B and B story. Oh, I that's why. Okay, never mind. It's not that funny to read out loud because I just made a spelling error. Um, oh, I was so excited. I I like threw in a random like, and I'm like, why did I put a why did I throw a like in the middle of the sentence? I haven't been back in California that long. Um, but basically, the Betty and Veronica storyline is great because Sheriff Keller is Bay. Totally. He's so damn sexy. And I remember watching that scene where, you know, Veronica goes down to the basement and he's working out and he has no shirt on. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that scene when it first came out and thinking like how inappropriate it was that he doesn't like throw a shirt on. And he keeps having this conversation with this like 15, 16 year old child. 
But this time when I watched it, I was just like, more, more. He's so beautiful. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was funny because the way Veronica is like talking to him and makes an excuse to go downstairs, I feel like in another movie or TV show, this would be like what you would see a young girl like trying to seduce an older man do. And I was, it would totally make sense to me if Kevin didn't like pull her aside and go like, do you have a crush on my dad? Like, what are you doing? Right, because it, it's so awkward. And then he, like, opens the soda for her and she's just standing there. And I'm like, oh, my God, quick, put a shirt on. But don't at the same time. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, he's just so beautiful. But can I just, like, go back to, you know, when I was saying, oh, Sheriff Keller is the Black Hood, Sheriff Keller is the Black Hood. I couldn't remember where I picked up on that from. And it has to have been from this episode when Betty thinks that he's the Black Hood. I think my brain went, it's too easy that he's just having the affair. Like Betty's normally right about stuff. And I felt like that was probably still the truth. It was just disguised in an affair. Yeah, and it's so interesting Betty, our girl, she is very often right about these things, but it's so funny because I think she's just too close to it to see the truth, like who it really is. And I did find the um, the scene where Sheriff Keller is talking to her and Hal uh, interesting to be like, to have, you know, him sitting next to her and being like, sorry, she's accusing you of this thing. <laughs> like, I yeah. thought that was interesting. It just, everything was, everything was right and everything was so wrong with the scenes with, with Sheriff Keller, but I just, I can't. Um, one of my notes for this storyline is hashtag reinstate Sheriff Keller 2020. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Except the only problem is if they do, then Let that means work together. They can be co-sheriffs. Okay, cool. Because I was going to say, otherwise, it's, uh, it's going to be a little, it's going to be a little tricky. No, I want, I want co-sheriffs. It's such like a great cop team, FP and Keller. That's a good team. FP and Keller. And then they Jones, can have- Jones and Keller. <gasps> Jones and Keller. I Jones. Jones. Yeah. This needs to happen. I agree their own spin-off series. I would be like first in line to watch that. <laughs> it would be pretty great. You um, always get to line up to watch a TV show. <laughs> uh, what's your next note? Uh, I don't really have that many left, but um, the, the last note again that I have on the Betty and Veronica storyline, and don't get me wrong. I really, really enjoyed it. I just don't have a lot to comment on it. Um, again, is about, Kevin, and what a gentleman he is letting Veronica have his bed. Did you notice that? That is so sweet. He's on the floor and she's like in his bed. And I was like, oh, Kevin. (laughs) What a sweetie. Such a sweetie. I mean, if I was allowed to have sleepovers with boys when I was that age, regardless of their sexuality, I would have loved if um, they had me sleep in their bed bed and they slept on the floor that's yeah 
very chivalrous. It is. Yeah, I only have two more notes left just for the episode in general. But my last note for, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of for the whole thing, but it kind of refers to Betty and Veronica a little bit. But um, just all the different, because Betty brings up um, when she's talking about Sheriff Keller and how she thinks he's the Black Hood because Veronica saw him leave in the middle of the night, came back at 4 a.m. And Betty says uh, that there was someone who was doing Jingle Jingle who got hit by a, uh, a train. And she thinks that the Black Hood pushed the this person in front of the train. Yeah. Um, all of the different MOs, like all of the different like ways that the Black Hood has killed people, they make no sense. Like this is not like a normal serial killer, which I think makes me less interested in the Black Hood. And that's probably why I didn't love it when I first watched it. Because it's just like, this is messy. Like if he yeah. were someone who felt like a real threat, he would be consistent. I think that's scarier. It's funny you're saying that. I hadn't made that realization myself, but now having you, like you having said that, I was like, it's sort of, I've come full circle because I watch a, um, I watch a, a lot of, well, I listen to rather a lot of true crime podcasts and I've got you to thank for that. You were the one that originally hooked me on those. But at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of Jensen and Holes, the murder squad. And there's this one case that I've become fascinated with. And this is not a case where this person was um, murdered by a serial killer. But a lot of the stuff that they say is, you know, there there are consistencies with serial killers. They have an MO that is is repeated time and time again. So it's it's really interesting that um, you've caught on to this, like, inconsistency with a serial killer. But, again, I don't know if that's just because it's Riverdale and, you know, they're not sure what's to come yet or for – no reason other than that it's just, you know, sloppy writing. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's the latter. Um, I think part of it is when they started the Black Hood storyline, they didn't necessarily know where they wanted to go with it. I think they just wanted a cliffhanger at the end of season one. Um, and that was what they chose for Fred to get shot and pops and for there to just be an assailant there. And then that be- turned into something more. So for him to keep going... The, what they chose to do with him is to have him murder people in really iconic ways and ways that were interesting and specific to those people. So with Miss Grundy, he chokes her with the, um, whatever that thing is called for her violin. Bow? Bow. He chokes her with the bow um, because it's kind of like ironic and iconic and it's what Archie gave her. So it all kind of ties together. And then with Moose and with, um, what's her face? Uh, <laughs> um, he shoots them in the car when they're like making out and doing drugs. Cause it's very Zodiac, uh, reminiscent and yeah. kind of goes on from there with the different attacks that he does are tend to be either very specific to the character and who they are or very reminiscent of something else. Yeah. It's, it's strange 
and again, it could be very deliberate or it could just be the sloppy writing, but I think that's the thing. Like you think about any kind of serial killer or you think about like fictional serial killers on TV and stuff. They've always got like a weapon of choice. They always kill a certain way or they, a certain type or, you know, they're either completely random or they're very structured in, in what happens. And yeah, I, I think the you're right. The only way that we can possibly uh, describe the, the killings that the Black Hood has done is that he's tried to make them very uh, aesthetically something very big, but that yeah. he's not using the same weapon every time or he's not using, you know, he's not targeting the same type of person. Like he doesn't go after, you know, petite blondes or, you know, tall brunettes. He He goes after people who are sinning in his mind which is I mean who of us hasn't like there's absolutely no way to claim or or to work out who's going to be next because it is so random yeah and and if they hadn't if like they were planning on doing this Black Hood storyline and it being Hal and like all of that like if that had been the plan then I feel like his victims would either be Everyone connected to Betty, which would be, you know, the main cast, so they couldn't do that. Or people who look like Betty. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because that would make more sense for a serial killer like Hal, from what we've seen in the past. I also, I didn't write a note about it, but I'm reminded of it now, and I meant uh, to look up more on it because I'm thinking of so when um the guy who was the candy man um <laughs> told the story of uh the Riverdale Reaper yes to Jughead and he mentioned that the whole family was shot in their homes right. um while they were sleeping there is a specific murder that it makes me think of and I cannot remember what it is do you know what I'm talking about I sure do <laughs> you do favorites which sounds so weird to say that I have a favorite murder but anyway um you know it's a podcast whatever right uh it's the Amityville Amityville murders that you're thinking about where the son um shot to death his siblings and his mom and dad with a shotgun while they slept no I'm thinking of one with kids there's a lot of them this is unfortunate to say Because there are, I know, because the, uh, the Candyman guy, um, he mentioned that it was the whole family, the kids and the parents. And I know that there's a murder where that's happened, which I'm sure there are, unfortunately, a few of those. Um, I just listened to a podcast where, uh, the dad was, um, familicide by the, by the father, the father did it. And all the kids and the mom were shot in their bed um, by him and he tried to cover it up. It's awful. It was on Crime Junkie. Um, they're a really great podcast as well. Yeah, um, put into them. Yeah, I love them. Um, but I know there's another one where I think it's the whole family, parents included. And it. I always think about it because the kids were sleeping on their backs. So you know that they did it while they were sleeping. Like they didn't even get a chance to turn around. Sweetheart, I swear to God you're talking about I swear to God you were talking about Amityville though, because those kids 
um, I think one of them was on their was on their back. Oh, I thought you said it wasn't kids. Sorry. So maybe it is Amity. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The um the older brother was the one that shot them. It was it was like two kids and the parents. Got it. Got it. Maybe. Why do I feel like Truman Capote is is linked to this? Oh, I have no idea. Like, like he wrote something about it. This is going to bother me for forever. We don't have to digress about it more. But for whatever reason, I think the murder I'm thinking of has to do with Truman Capote in some facet. But I have no idea why I feel that way. Huh. Very weird. I'm going to do my own research separately, but we don't have to continue to digress because I really went there. (laughs) No problem. Well, if you do work out who it is, please let me know because I'm convinced you're talking about the Amityville murders. It it is very similar to that if it's not. Yeah. Curious. Um, Very, very curious. Yeah. For my final note, I just wrote, (laughs) even though there was kind of a big scene at the end tying things all together, my final note is just the lighting in Pops is such an aesthetic. He's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. It's so great. I do love it. Um, It really just adds just another layer to anything that ever happens in there. Yeah. And it is, and it can be dynamic. It can be very bright in there during the day. And then at night, it's just so dark and pink and, and so interesting. It reminds me of a soup dumpling place that we would go to. I don't know if you, yeah, you went with us for Christmas at one time um, that had yeah. all those nineties lights. It reminds me of that. It sure did. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, my last note was that I just really enjoyed the music uh, this episode. It was very different. It had a very sort of maybe 80s feel to it. Um, But I thought all the music choices were just really appropriate and worked really, really well. Yeah, I agree. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Okay. I did find something just to, so that we don't leave everybody hanging. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to read up on this and I don't want to read the whole thing for you guys now, but um, to see if it is that scenario that I was imagining with the kids like laying on their stomachs, maybe that's Amityville that I'm thinking of, but with the Truman Capote, um, he did write In Cold Blood, which was about um, a 19, uh, 1959 murders of four members of the Herbert Kletter family in a small farming community in Holcomb, Kansas. So I'm definitely going to be revisiting that because I'm feeling like that's probably what I was thinking of. But okay, yeah, oh, well, gross. Someone's named Perry Smith. Oh, that's uh, that's my dad's name. Oh, I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> gross, creepy. One of the murderers. Oh, oh my god. Okay, well, beware your dad until you. Find out otherwise, I guess. <laughs> he was in 1959. He was one years old, so I think we're okay. You're in the clear. You're yeah. in the clear. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, let's talk about what Betty would do this episode. Betty, she would be so close to the truth. So close. I know. So ridiculously close. But just, you know, just that far away. Just a, just a little far away. 
Also, can we just talk about the fact that I just said close to with a T in the end? <laughs> you would have gotten away with it. I didn't catch it. So, well, because I wouldn't have, because somebody would have listened and somebody would have said something. And also, I knew in my heart I didn't get it right. <laughs> you guys don't ever work with children, it'll just absolutely smush your brain. Oh, Lord. Well, on that note, everyone, we will catch you all next week for another episode of Betty Squared. Bye. Bye.